If you have a Bible, turn to the book of Romans. This is what I've been studying at home, so when uh, I got a call, it was real easy for me to say, yeah, I've, I, as an ex-pastor, you always have something prepared in your heart. And the, the book of Romans, for me lately, I've found some comfort in it in the day we live uh, with all that's going on. And some of you may look at it and say, well, how uh, do you find comfort in a book full of so much? Uh, Paul really hits us right between the eyes with our sin problem, pretty much right off. But uh, within that, uh, there's good news. Last night when my wife asked me, well, what are you going to preach on? I said, good news. And she said, well, we need it. And really, of all times, we probably need to be hearing more good news. And, you know, for us as Christians, I know that maybe you might see the way the world's going and you think there isn't much good news. But the good news I'm going to talk about this morning is probably one all of you are familiar with. It's not just uh, good news. It's the good news. It's the good news that uh, trumps all good news. It's the good news that trumps any bad news in your life. And I got to thinking about over my lifetime all the times I've had good news and take a moment and just think about all the times you've had good news. A lot of times maybe it's uh, prefaced with bad news. Um, I don't know how many of you remember back in 1977 when I graduated, a tornado went through and and demolished what used to be the high school. Um, I think it's the middle school now. I don't know for sure, but I think it is. And uh, even in that bad news, the good news was, and it's pretty amazing if any of you remember what the <clears throat> what the gym looked like and stuff, uh, no one was hurt in the school. Now, I know other people were hurt, and uh, uh, but the good news was that, uh, guess what, out of all those kids, and I remember kids telling me that they had gotten down in the hallway and they could see things flying away and the roof pulling off, but yet they weren't hurt or injured. And that's good news. Maybe some of you have had good news in your life where, uh, you know, so-and-so was in a car accident, but the good news is they're okay. For some of us, we've had bad news and there wasn't any good news in it. But this good news trumps all that bad news. Even the bad news that's going on today and the bad news that maybe you've experienced and perhaps bad news that you have spent a lifetime overcoming. What I mean is, uh, I, I think about my life. And I was from a broken family. My mom and dad got divorced when I was fairly young. Uh, but, you know, I still had a, a pretty good life. Uh, they both treated each other like adults, which I don't see often many times today in divorces. But uh, I feel so blessed that I had a dad and mom that still loved me through all that. I had a father, even when I was a teenager, that would come down and actually tuck me into bed. It sounds kind of corny, and you say, well, did he actually tuck you into bed? What I mean by that is he'd come down every night and tell me he loved me. And 
I've been alive long enough to know probably in this room some of you have not had that. You've not had someone that says, you know, I love you. No matter what I did or no matter what kind of silly things I did or ornery things or just flat wrong things, I knew my dad loved me. So in that, what I'm trying to say is some people deal with stuff from the that they're raised in an abusive home. They're raised in an atmosphere or they have lived in an atmosphere when they say things like, how can God love me but yet put me in this situation? That's where this good news comes from. It comes from the fact that no matter what happened to you in the past, no matter what's going to happen to any of us in the future, there is a good news that trumps it all. And Paul, the Apostle Paul in the book of Romans, makes that his number one priority. He starts out and he says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. Now when I say good news, most of us know from being brought up in the church, the good news and gospel are in interchangeable. That's what the gospel is. It's good news for us as human beings. So Paul says, number one, he's been set apart for the gospel of God. That is the good news we're talking about this morning. In verse 2 he says, the gospel he promised, and this is really interesting, the gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures regarding his son, of course his son, Jesus, who as in his human nature was a descendant of David, fully man, and who through the spirit of holiness was declared with power to be the son of God by his resurrection from the dead. Fully God. God the Father said, hey, I'm sending God my Son down here to die for your sins, to die on the cross, and to prove to each and every one of you and to prove throughout history that Jesus Christ was the one I prophesied to come thousands of years earlier. Thousands of years earlier. God the Father says, This is my Son, And this is, we we put it this way, which is maybe hard to understand at times, but he is God in the flesh. When we see Jesus Christ, we see God in the flesh. Now, he goes on here and he says many different good points. For instance, in verse, let's just drop down to verse 9. It says, uh, God whom I serve with my whole heart in preaching the gospel of his son. Once again, of his son, fully God, fully man, Jesus Christ, is my witness how constantly I remember you. Now remember, he's talking to the Roman church and he's concerned with the Roman church. And he says, I'm constantly praying for you. Something that really should lift us all up is the fact that you know you have a pastor that constantly 
prays for you. Every pastor that's that's a God-fearing Christian pastor prays for his people. And I know just, I just met Roger last Sunday. And I was telling him a little bit of our story, and I won't get into a lot of that, but because <clears throat> as I get older, I'm more emotional. And uh, I started crying just a little bit. And he reached out and he grabbed my shoulder. And he said, uh, he said, we as Christians, as brothers in Christ, you need to know that we love you and we'll be praying for you, you know? Amen. Never, sorry, never met that man before in my life, but have you ever noticed you go places and you meet other Christians and you just feel like you've known them a lifetime? Because we have... Christ that holds us together. We have this gospel. We have this good news. Paul goes on and he says, this is why I'm so eager to preach the gospel or the good news also to you who are in Rome. So when I was asked to preach, this is, I think at the heart of Christianity is the belief and knowledge of what the gospel is. What is the good news? For Paul goes on, and this is kind of key to understanding the book of Romans in verses 16 and 17. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I think today we have a lot of people because when we get into the gospel here in just a few minutes, you're going to see that there's some bad news. Ultimately, there's good news, but there's some bad news that people want to reject. So I think there's a lot of people out there today and they stand in pulpits all over. Not, not, not every place, not at all. I, me and Brenda have been kind of looking around for a church and there, there's a lot of good men preaching the gospel and the gospel message or the doctrines. Uh, Michael mentioned to me the book of Romans is full of the doctrines, the doctrines of the Christian faith, the doctrines of Christ's teaching, the doctrines of the apostles' teaching. It's just full of it. But he says, I'm not ashamed of this gospel. Why isn't he ashamed of this? And why should we... You know, when I was young, uh, I remember my daughters, when I first started preaching, they said, sometimes, Dad, you sound like you're angry. And that wasn't what I was trying to get across. And as I get older, you, I think you get a little bit more gentle in the way you talk about these things. But I, I wasn't trying to get angry. I was trying to get serious. Because personally, I believe with all my heart, with all my soul, there's nothing more important in this life than for you to know what the true gospel, what the true good news is, and for your children to know that too. You know, I think most of you know why I believe this is because we enter into heaven because of what we believe. Belief is in, in this gospel is, is that critical. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Listen here. Because it is the power of God for the salvation 
of everyone who believes. You know what this word means, salvation? We say it so often that sometimes I just skim over salvation. And it really, in the Greek form, it, well, it means salvation, but it means deliverance. And I like deliverance. Have any of you been delivered from things? I have in the past. I've been delivered from uh, bad circumstances. I've had friends deliver me from things. I, uh, there, there's just so many things we can think of our mind are, that we've been delivered from. But he says, this gospel is the power of God for the deliverance or salvation of everyone who believes. Now, I think this is important too. I've been in the pastorate long enough to know there's a couple things that really get churches on end when we talk about things of theology. And theology's good. It's not a bad thing. Theology is really good. We need theology. Theology is the study of God and the doctrines of God. When we were on vacation this summer, we ran into a young man and we were at this hotel, and what his job was is he got up every morning and took a drill and drilled a hole and put this umbrella in the sand with two easy chairs out. He did that all along the beach in Miami. And you think, well, that'd be a boring job. Evidently, he gets paid pretty good because he, he'd done it for a long time. And... Uh, if you don't mind, I just want to kind of describe him because being old, 62, things have really changed. There was a time I never would have gotten in the pulpit in a pair of blue jeans and boots. <laughs> Some of you can remember that. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying I wouldn't have. There's, there was a time when I'd look at this young man with all his tattoos, his long hair, and some other things, and I wouldn't have, I don't know how to explain it, through maybe some kind of prejudice, I don't, I, I don't know, I, I just wouldn't have thought for a second he was a believer. And on top of that, he, every once in a while, I, th I think in, a, in the country we live in, there's a few cuss words that just people use all the time anymore, which, now I'm never going to condone that. But the few times I've heard him talk, he, he uses different things. And I, but you know, as I got to talking to him, we got to saying things, and I said, I was a retired pastor. and never know how that one's going to come out. <laughs> but with him, he lit up like a light bulb. And he said, oh, I love Jesus. I said, so... That means a lot of different things to a lot of people. So one of the first things I want to find out is, are you talking about the Jesus of the Bible or the one you made up in your mind? And we started talking, and I'm telling you, this kid knew theology. He, he knew the Jesus of the Bible. And we got to talking, and he said, I know I need to clean up my language, but he says, I love the Lord, and let me tell you what he's done for me. And actually, we talked long enough, I finally had to make an excuse to leave because at 62, my back got to hurting so bad, I had to get up and get out of that lawn chair. You know, you know what those things are like, and it, it, you're in this canvas thing, and I'm like, I got to get out of there. It isn't that I didn't want to keep talking to him, 
But one of the things he said is, I don't believe in this theology stuff. And I'm like, but you have to understand, that's what you've been speaking to me this whole time. We have to know the doctrines and the truths of God's Word. I I, I think people equate theology with some type of old-fashioned snobbery that, uh, and maybe we've done this to ourselves as Christians, that, you know what, you can't come into our church if if you're not this way or you're not that way. I, I don't know about you, but before I became a Christian, God's the one that cleaned me up. It wasn't, you know, and here comes a guy in with his helmet. I don't know how many of you, I love motorcycles. (laughs) I'd still buy, and not to bring a damper on things, but most of you know my oldest daughter was killed on a motorcycle. And so I don't drive them no more. But I still love them. I think they're works of art. But I remember when I started riding a lot and I was a pastor, Brenda brought this to my attention the other day, I would go to the hospital to visit people in my motorcycle stuff and they wouldn't let me in because they're like, well, you're not a pastor. And I'm like, I guarantee I'm a pastor. I said, I may not look in your mind like a pastor, but I am a pastor. So what I'm trying to say is in in the day we live in, I've, I've grown past a lot of those maybe prejudices to speak the truth of the gospel to anyone that will just listen. No matter what you look like, no matter what your color, no matter what you wear, no matter, there's just so many things that, that we can look at this morning. But salvation is for everyone who believes. Everyone. It's not just for the the one that was brought up in a church their whole life. It's for everyone, no matter how you were brought up and no matter what your past was. This gospel message is for you. So this morning, whether you're young or old, and for those of us that already know what the good news is, we hold tightly to it. For those of you that that may not know what this good news is, I pray that the Holy Spirit open your heart to to accept this gospel message that we're about to talk about. And this is important. In verse 17, Paul says, For in the gospel, for in this good news, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith first to last, just as it is written, and this is taken from Habakkuk 2.4, The righteous will live by faith. Do you hear the good news in this? I I hope so. I I know most of you, so I know most of you, but I already know this, but it doesn't hurt for us to be reminded of this. We are saved by our faith in what Christ did. That's that's part of the gospel, and we're going to get to it. We are saved by that. We are delivered from some things through what Christ did for us. And it's by faith. It's not of works. Those of us that have been in ministry quite a while, I, the ones that I know, most of them, none of us 
do it because we believe that's going to gain our entrance into heaven. We do it because, first of all, we look at the cross and see the love of God that he showed us by giving us his son on the cross for our sin. But see, it's not works that saved us, saves us. And I'm not righteousness to ever save myself. You know, if we get down to theology, actually I was taught this really young, uh, it's back when, it's funny when I saw this in your pastor's resume. I went to Wayland Baptist University, which is the first university he went to. And uh, I remember one of our teachers telling us about this, and he said, you can be saved through your righteousness or by Christ's righteousness. He says the problem is no one, not your grandma that you just love so dearly, not anyone, is righteous enough. You know, we look at people and we can. We can look out and go, that person is a good person. And I'm not going to say they're not. Or that person is a better person than this person. Because some people are just, they're friendlier, they're kinder. But you know what? No matter how good they are, no matter how kind they are, they fall short of the glory of God. That's what Scripture tells us. They're still sinners. And I'm so thankful. I'm saved by faith alone. I was talking to a relative this summer, and he came over to swim at our house, you know, one of them hot days. And, and I didn't know where he stood on this. And he said, well, I just hope when I stand in front of St. Peter and uh, my good works outweigh my bad works. And I'm like, boy, I don't want to rely on that. <laughs> and he said, what do you mean? And I said, here's a little, here's a little, tidbit I've learned. The closer I've grown to God, the more sin I see in myself. The closer I grow in God, the more I see how far I fall short of His perfection and His holiness. And I'm so thankful that when I die, if I were to be asked, and I don't think this is going to happen, just my opinion, but if I were to be asked, why should you be allowed to enter into heaven? I would say, on the blood of Christ. Through the Christ, righteousness of Christ, no works of my own. Now, I don't think that's how it's going to go. I think when you die and you're a believer, I believe the Bible teaches you will be escorted, escorted into the presence of God the Father and God the Son into a glory that the Bible does not even have words to tell us how glorious it is. No more sun. No more sin. Can you, I don't know about you, but I can't wait for a time when there's no more sin. Not, not only in the rest of the world. Let's not pick on everyone else. I'm talking about myself. No more. It, it, the song we just, we just sang. I, 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 I feel prone to leave the God I love. And be honest with you, only by the grace of God and through his strength have I not left the God I love. 
I remember through difficult times in our life, and I, I probably some of you that are around my age, you've had difficult times, you've lost loved ones, and only by God's grace have you stayed going, God, I, I don't know what you're doing here. But God demonstrated his love for us that while we were still sinners, he sent his only begotten son to die on the cross. See, I can, I can look at the things of the world and say, God, do, do you really love me? And I've said that at times. And I, if, if you find that, well, you shouldn't be a pastor. Maybe that's, maybe that's true. But I've had things happen where I'm going, God, I just don't feel loved. And, but when I look at the cross, I see God's love for each and every one of us. So I'm not ashamed of this gospel because it's the only way we can be delivered from our own sin. It's the only way we can be delivered from a... a I know this is a doctrine we don't hear much in our churches. I, I hope I don't get in trouble from Robert, from Robert for saying this. But it's... You know, the gospel doesn't only deliver us from our sin. It delivers us from a place in the Bible called hell. It literally, our faith, not our works, our faith in this good news, our faith in what Jesus Christ did delivers us from our sin, which in turn delivers us from hell. And friends, that is good news. And no matter where you stand on all the other issues that's going on in our country, I think we as Christians need to come together and be telling people no matter what political party they belong to, no matter where they are on getting a shot or wearing a mask or whatever, because come on, that's going on all the time. I understand it. I, I, I really don't care that much. What I care about is that people find Christ. And, and, and they find this good news that, that goes beyond the things that's happening in their life and goes beyond the things that that absolutely crush us at times, it goes beyond that. It supersedes all those things. That's why it's such good news. It's better news than any news that can be given to anyone. That's why I feel it's the heart of Christianity. Paul goes on and he says, the wrath of God and and." Hang with me here just a second. I'm going to read through uh, verse 20. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth. Now, you have to be blind today not to realize all over the world the truth is being suppressed. Paul says that the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known, now really listen to this, since 
what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so men are without excuse. We're without excuse, and what I want to get to, what I'm trying to to pull out of this text is that from the creation of the world, people have known that there's a creator. Do you know how important it is to God that we acknowledge Him as creator of all things? You can go back to the Old Testament and they're asking Him, who are you? And He says, I'm the creator. There's none other. You know, when I was youth pastor here, we did a study, and some people liked it, some people didn't, but I did the study anyway. And it was evolution versus creationism. Our kids were getting taught evolution, and not only that there is an evolution where we can evolve, but the, the evolution where we, we came from a blob or came from whatever, obviously goes against God's truth. Because God's Word says that he created us. He, he knitted us in our mother's womb. Knitted us in our, in our mother's womb. So, so all over the world today, people are just, it's blasphemy how they react to God. He's not my creator. Or God didn't know what he was doing when, I was, when he was creating me in my mother's womb. Friends, those are just truths that the world is suppressing today. And it says we're without excuse for no other reason. Go out tonight. Well, maybe you don't like it when it's quite so cold, but you've went at it in the evening and look around and go, wow. The God, the same God that sent His only begotten Son to die on the cross for our sins, that very God created this earth and everything we see in the heavenlies to show His awesomeness. I don't know where you stand on aliens or whatever. I really don't care. What I do know is the fact that everything we see through a telescope and everything we see down here was created by God. And that is important to Him that we acknowledge Him as that Creator. It's, it's, it is one of the most important things there is. He goes on and he says, now he's talking about us as man. For although they knew God, talking about us, and when I say man, I mean mankind. For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him. Let's just stop there. I feel my body falling apart. We make fun of it when we get together with people our age. um, and, And then people that are older than me 
uh, like some that are 91 would probably laugh and say, 62, you haven't even begun to get old. <laughs> and I get that. And I remember when I was 40, 60-year-olds telling me the same thing. But uh, for some reason, I've developed tremors, which is one of the reasons why I got out of the ministry. That's why my voice kind of shakes some, and I, and I kind of shake quite a bit, actually. Um, and that's why I wasn't doing anything in the ministry. And, and, and recently God said, uh, you know, no matter how bad, your body's falling apart. That's why I started crying last week when Roger said that Paul was talking about God can be glorified in our weakness. And that's been hard for me because obviously over the years as a young man, I was a prideful young man. I was proud of myself. I was proud of what I could accomplish. I was proud of at one time, believe it or not, my athletic ability. ability. I was proud of some other things. And you know what? Now I can't even throw a football. I can't play catch with my grandkid. I can't play all these things, but you know, if I start to get down, I have to remember the good news. God will eventually, all this will go away. And how many of you know, and I think most of you probably, this body one day will be resurrected into a perfect body. No more ailments. No more worries. No more anxiety. No more depression. No more all these things that's going on. It'll all be gone. We won't cry no more because there will be no need to cry anymore. But he's talking about man here and he says, you know what, You've, you know I'm God, but yet you don't thank me. You don't thank me. I know maybe things have gotten bad, but I still can eat actually. Now, at 62, I have to watch what I eat. I can't eat too much. And me and my friends that get together, we said, we have got to start, stop bringing peanut M&Ms. Any of you like peanut m I tell you what, have you seen those bags at the grocery stores? They're like, I swear some of them are this big, and if I eat one peanut m and M, I'm going to eat the whole bag. And... And I told them, we've got to quit doing that. We've got to start bringing carrots. And, and, and I know you're laughing because that's never going to happen, right? I actually did buy a bag of little baby carrots, and I think I've eaten four of them. And, and, and you're right. I think it has been three weeks. Four of them in three weeks. But... I think about that, and I, I thank God we, have, we still have food to eat. None of us in here are starving yet. But even if we were, and even if it comes to a time, maybe not in my lifetime, but when your grandchildren or your children have to stand up for Christ, and it costs them their lives or their ability to get food, the good news is it's still worth it. Now, understand, 
that when I say that, only by the grace of God can we do that. For instance, if I'm a father and I have to stand up for Christ and they say, hey, Preston, you're not going to be able to feed your family. I'm telling you, if it wasn't for God's strength, I don't think I could do that. I, I, I really think, actually I know in my own strength I'd deny Him. But in God's strength, all things are possible. And He's done that in my life several times. Several times. And I won't go into all those times, but he goes in, he says, Paul says, although they claim to be wise, now notice this is talking about man, they became fools and exchanged the glory of immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. Now in this gospel message, I want us to get through four things. I'm going to go through these really quickly and then we'll end. But it says man gave up, and this is in verse 25, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped created things instead of the creator. And that's at the heart of the sin problem even today. It's, it's just so easy to worship created things. Or I see people all over uh, worshiping, uh, gosh, movie stars or sports stars. And if I do have a really bad, I, I love the Chiefs. I always have loved football. And... I'm not going to say anything about how things are going right now. But I, I don't worship them. And when they lose, I may say something, but I go on and I know <laughs> it's just not important in the big scheme of things. It really isn't. The important things are that we don't exchange the truth of God for any of the lies that, are people, that people are telling us to, today. So to end with this, the gospel message, the good news, is found in four things. First of all, there's a God that's creator. We've already seen that. Second of all, God created man. I mean mankind. There's a problem with man. We have sinned against a holy God. See, here's part of the bad news and the good news. But the good news is, is Christ is the remedy for man's problem. Christ and his salvation that we obtain through faith in what he did is the remedy for our problem. And it's by faith alone in what Christ did, not of works. You don't have to be good enough. And if someone tells you you do or you have to do this or you have to do that, go to Romans and read what it says. You have to place your faith in Christ, not in what you wear or, or these other things. It's place your faith in Christ. Now, fourthly, in the good news, you're going to find, i make sure I say this right, you have to have a response to this message. In here, he said, 
I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. You have to personally believe it. You'll never gain entrance into heaven on the coattails of what your parents have done or your grandparents have done. And I'm afraid to say I've seen that in churches all over. We have second generation, third generation Christians, and you'll ask them, are you a Christian? Yes, I've been a Christian my whole life. That's not what the scripture says. Just because you were raised in a, and I've always been a Baptist, Baptist church or whatever, a Bible teaching church, you have to make this salvation your own. You have to go before a holy God. And friends, I personally believe you have to bow a knee if you can. Bow before a holy God and say, God, you are so right. I am a sinner and I need to be saved from my sin." And that's it. When Christ was on the cross, the thief beside him, all he said to him, and this is an acknowledgement of who Christ is, all he said to him was, remember me when you come into your kingdom. There wasn't some kind of magical phrase, remember me when you come into your kingdom, and Christ is good enough and gracious enough to say, today, you will be with me in paradise because you acknowledged who I am and what I'm doing for you on the cross. That's it. I I put it in an acronym that I, I hope, and I'll say it over and over. GMCR. God, man, Christ, response. Another way you can think at it. I don't know how many of you are Ford men. I'm a Ford family. But I love GMC trucks. I love the new ones. So I'm like, GMC, easy for me to remember. GMC, the R, I don't know where that comes in. But just throw it down there. Maybe GMC is a rad truck or something. I don't know. But I I like GMC trucks. So, But remember that. Because you're going to have a chance to speak to people about this gospel message. And, and you, don't have to, you don't have to open the, your Bible to the book of Romans. Talk to them about. We're accountable to our creator, God. He is our creator, man, and we rebelled against him. And the simple solution for that is to believe in what Christ did. But you need to believe in it personally. Will you join me in prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, as we look at the book of Romans and we see this great news it's it's to me the best news the good news may you help us to plant this good news in our heart and in our minds so that we can go out and share this good news the good news that God even though we sinned against you You, through your grace, have provided a way to heaven. And it's through Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross. 
God, as you have this time of reflection and prayer and even invitation, we pray that if there's anyone here that does not know you as their Savior, that you would open their heart up to this good news, this gospel message. And they can do it right where they're sitting, right where they're standing. They don't have to come talk to me. They can do it today. Or if they need to come and talk to one of the elders or myself, we'll be down here. I'll be down front. And for those of us that know the gospel, please help us to make this message a part of our everyday life to those so many that need to know the gospel. We pray this in the name above all names, in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. All God's people said.